has it been since that you and I have had that feeling about the Christmas story? I mean, let's, let's think about that this morning. How long has it been since you and I had that genuine excitement about Christmas in general? Think about it. Has Christmas become another list of things to do, another, another crazy schedule to keep, another moment of work? Right? You got, I know you got to go to the million different concerts and plays of your kids, and it adds up, and they're not very good, right? I'm sorry, the kid, I forgot the kids were up here. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are great. Right? And everything's good. All the, all the events, all the activities, all the busyness is good. Seeing family and traveling, it's fun. But we also know that sometimes we wish that, oh, man, I can't wait until after the new year. When the schedule's back, the routine is back, and we can just continue on with it. You know, there's been a, also a, a lot of talk uh, about a war on Christmas, but I, I don't think it's a, it's real and a true war. I think the war is actually within us, if we're just being honest, right? The fight within us to get, get our kids more presents or not, change up Christmas, the fight to have the, the most and the best and the most expensive-looking Christmas decorations or not, Whatever it is, and those are good things, right? The, the fight to put up your decorations or the earliest or wait until the last minute. The fight to have that perfect family Christmas card, which you probably got yesterday with the camel at the live nativity. Almost every commercial, television special, and classic movie promises us that if we do whatever they are saying, whatever, whatever the, the world is saying, or buy whatever that they're selling, we will have that best Christmas ever. And so we, we watch the movies, and we, we listen to the songs, and that's good. Those are good things. They're not bad things. We buy the toys, and then, and then the list of our things to do and our traditions becomes even longer, doesn't it? Longer and longer. And then we end up kind of exhausted, a little tired. And so here's the question. Here's the onion that we want to peel this morning. When did the customs of Christmas become Christmas chores? And we know that they're not all bad in and of them themselves, but just stacked up there in the way that we grind through life, they just add up to chores. So when did this season turn into something that was just a little bit too much? When did Christmas become uh, just busy and difficult and overwhelming? And I guess even more important than this question is this, how do we get Christmas back? Think about that. How, how do we get Christmas back? Well, I have a theory, and it's based on something that the best football coach of all time once said. All right, who's the best football coach of all time? Vince Lombardi, that's right. All right. Vince Lombardi used to say and do this at every football season at the very beginning of camp. At the very beginning of the season, he would get all of his team together, all these professional football players together, and he would hold up a football in his hands, and he would say this. It's a famous line of his. He would say this, this is a football. Right? He, would, he would have all of these professional athletes together in a big circle on their knee with him standing there in a big huddle, and he says, this is a football. Right? Well, what was he doing? He was, he was getting back to the basics. 
right? Re- re- reminding his professional players that even though football was their job now, this, this was their, their life, even though they were a million different plays and formations that they were going to have to learn, and even though there was so much built up uh, attention, at the end of the day, it's a football. And, and they have the basics. And so that's what we're going to do today, this morning. We're going to get back to the basics of Christmas. And to do that, I want to go to the original story. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and we'll start there. Luke chapter 2. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those Bibles with you. Uh, Those Bibles are free for you to have, to use, to take. Uh, I always joke around that there's different colors, so if you want a different color than the one that's in the seat in front of you, wait until after service and find the one you want. But they are free for you to use, to take, to have, to give away. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. That's in the New Testament. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke. That's the second half of the Bible. Use the table of contents if you need to. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And while you're turning there, I want to remind you of the series of sermons that we've been in here at the Foundry Church. Over the past few weeks, we have been talking about the messages that our God, the God that we forge our life on, has sent to people in the Christmas story, like just like the kids played this morning, right, through his angel, uh, through Gabriel. All the different messages that Gabriel shared with all this cast of characters, and today, we get to one of my favorites, All right? And so, here, as you're turning there still, Luke chapter 2, every couple of months here at the Founder, we do something called, at the beginning of the year and at the summer, we do something called Pasta with the Pastor, uh, where people who are new to the Foundry kind of come and they kind of hear the vision and the heartbeat of the Foundry. Uh, we eat spaghetti and meatballs, and we, they can ask any question about, about our church or about myself or, or kind of what the vision of this, this place is, how God's working in this place. But I begin every meal, I pasta with your pastor, with this question. And if you've been there, you know what I'm about to ask. I begin with this question. If you could go back in time to any concert in the history of the world, which concert would you go to? You know, I love to hear people's answers. You get all kinds of different answers. Some people say things like the first time that the guitar was ever played. I say boring. All right, uh, I always say the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. That's a solid, I think that's a solid answer. Uh, Christina, uh, she would say, uh, she always says the Rat Pack in Las Vegas, right? Back in like, is that like the 50s, right? But the story that we're going to read today has one of those concerts that I would go to. And so let's look at it together. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be in verse 8 today. And we're going to look at one of the best concerts ever here in just a few minutes. Chapter 8 says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, watching over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And all angels don't look as weird as I do. I'm just kidding. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with, a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, keep your finger right there. We're going to be right back to it. You see, this may be the greatest uh, choir concert presentation in the history of the world. One angel had the honor of playing the lead with an angelic multitude uh, behind him. And listen, no tickets were sold, and the show was not announced ahead of time. You might call it the first ever flash mob concert, and the audience was simply a flock of unresponsive sheep and a lowly band of unsuspecting shepherds. Wouldn't it have been nice to be there? Right, I would have loved it. Let's look at it from the perspective of the angels for a quick second. Right, throughout history, God has used angels to communicate special news. All throughout history, they have made some pretty important announcements to some pretty important people, including prophets, priests, and kings of many different nations. They have announced life and death, victory and defeat. They've announced judgment and mercy and grace. But the most important announcement in the history of humankind was when the angels were commissioned, were tasked by God to announce the birth of God's Son, God himself, into this world. Now, I can, I can imagine a, a strategy session where the angels, they start, they start brainstorming how they want to make this uh, particular announcement. And they're talking to themselves. They're going back and forth. They're like, all right. So God wants us to announce this to, to, to the world. And so this is what we're going to do, right? Because most of them, it would seem like this is the most important announcement that they're ever going to be a part of, that they're ever going to make. And so they're like, we're going to do this really big. We're, we're going to make this really big. So they, I can just picture it. The angels, they gather together and they come up with a plan to make the announcement at the temple in Jerusalem. And they probably decided together that, that it wouldn't just be a normal day, that it would have to be a day where there's a feast, one of the, the Jewish holidays, where there's going to be thousands of Jewish pilgrims over, traveling all over the place to the temple, and they're going to be gathered together. They, they probably decided, we're going, to, we're going to get the priest in on it first, and then we're going to bring in a whole choir when everyone's gathered around. And they have the song picked out, probably. And they're ready to go, and they're feeling pretty good about their plan when God walks into the room and he says, hey, cool idea, bro, but no, I have another plan, shepherds, just a few, on a lonely mountain, outside of the city. Right? The, the, the angels, they start looking around at each other, and they're like, is he serious? And of course he is, right? Because God knows what he's doing. That's right. Because God's getting back to the basics. He's getting back to the basics, right? He's, he's holding that football up like, like Vince Lombardi. Instead of the temple in Jerusalem, he chooses a hillside outside of Bethlehem. Instead of the annual feast, he chooses the night shift. Instead of priests, 
He picks shepherds. The angels, they, they crumble up their plans and they, they toss it into the wastebasket. Right? We take the Christmas story for granted, Foundry Church, because we've heard it so many times. We see it in the movies. We see it every time this time of year. But God could have announced the birth of his son in any way he wanted. So why did God do it in the way that he did? Well, the answer is in the song that the angels sang. I and mean, look at those words again. What did it say? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom with he is well pleased. Now, in your, in your Bible, I want you to underline those, three, those first three words, glory to God. Right, glory to God. Right, who is the glory to? God, right? It's not to the glory of the, the shepherds. It's certainly not to the glory of the awesome sheep, right? It's not to the glory of you and to me. It's to the glory of God. The choir song is not about the, the worth and the merit of the shepherds. The glory is not theirs. It's not about mankind's deservedness and value. It's not even about what we need, Foundry Church. Yes, this song is, like it says, good news for all people. And this peace is for all the earth and those with whom God is well pleased. But this declaration of glory is not to them. Right? As the angels say the good news and, the, and this, this strange and wonderful way of, of doing it is to the glory of God, the God that they forged their life on. God is the one who has promised a Savior for centuries and is now sending him, the Savior. God is the one who's making a way for us to go home to him, Foundry Church. God is the one who looked down and he saw those lowly shepherds on the side of the mountain and he looked forward and he saw me and he saw you here today. And God said this, I want that one. I want that one. I want them to know me. I want them to live in an adventurous, abundant life that is forged on me. I'm coming for them. I want that one. Right? Nothing is better than that church. You can, you can stake your life on it. Right? You want to get back to the basics of Christmas. The basics of Christmas can be summed up with those three little words, glory to God. Because he's above all, through all, in all. He's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. He's the one who said, I want you to have an abundant life for all of eternity. I don't want you to live a humdrum, mundane life. I want you to live an abundant life to the full. Not the easiest of life. Not a perfect life. But a life of purpose and of meaning and of action. A life that is forged on me. Glory to God. Right, that's how we get back to the basics of Christmas. We get back to the heart of what it's really uh, about God. There is no meaning to Christmas without God. Heck, there's no Christmas without God. Our God came down off the mountain of heaven. You remember how God identified himself, named himself in Exodus chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Right, he sent Moses to deliver his people, and Moses said this. He said, hey, they're going to ask me, 
who did this, right? Who's doing this? And God answered, you tell them I am who I am sent you. Right? What does that mean? It means that God is an absolute reality. He doesn't come into existence. He doesn't become what he is not. He doesn't get better today than he was yesterday. There is zero development in his divine being. He simply is. Before you were, or I was, before galaxies were created, before anything that could cause a Big Bang was, he was and he will be, he is him. That's who he is. There's no beginning, there's no ending, there's no development, there's no becoming absolute non-created reality. And then God created what is not God, and that's the universe. And on Christmas, thousands of years ago, God entered it. Even though the the universe is in rebellion against God, that's right, you and I are in rebellion against God, right? We want to live a life of comfort. We don't want to live this abundant, adventurous life. Romans says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you've heard me say it before, sin is just an archery term. It's not a dirty word. It's an archery term. It means we, we didn't hit the bullseye. We missed the mark. So when he says he's coming, he's not coming just to hang out. Right? There's a problem. We've missed the mark. He's coming to deal with it. And we are in submission to that. Right? We, we know John chapter 3, verse 16. We see it a lot at football games, right? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's why he's coming. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Look, the angel even says it. The most world-changing line in the angel's declaration is in verse 11 of what we just read. You can look at it and highlight it. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is... Christ, the Lord. Founder Church, grab a hold of that. Christ, the Lord. Christ means the anointed one. He's the king, the savior who's going to come and he's going to set us free. He's going to save us. He's going to deal with that problem. Not only is this child sent from the Lord, from the creator God, but he is the Lord himself. Not only has the Lord of heaven initiated and acted to rescue his lowly people from their sin, from missing the mark, and their shame because of that. But he himself has come to earth. Glory to God. He's come to give a purpose, an abundant, and in a full life. The Lord now dwells among us, and that's what Christmas is about. Emmanuel, Christ with us. He's in our own flesh and blood, the highest made lowest for us. God sent his angels to stand before the shepherds and say, this is my son, this is him. And just like those football players did with Vince Lombardi, we should hear that and we should remember the basics of Christmas and of life itself. It can be all summed down to this. Glory to God who sent his son. You see, here's the truth, church. An amazing Christmas gift never cured a lonely heart. 
right? And I've gotten some good Christmas gifts that brighten up my day and that I, I keep with me and, and are probably will pass down to generations in my family. But an amazing Christmas gift never cured a lonely heart. Scrolling through social media and posting your beautiful uh, decorations for all never mended a wounded soul. And I love seeing everyone's decorations and Christmas and the festivities. Making to-do lists of all of our Christmas chores never relieves our burdens, but we have a Savior, when we boil it down, who came on Christmas Day as a baby who can do all these things to fulfill. So glory to God. Right? The, the, the weight and the magnitude is all too much to take it at once for the shepherds and even for Mary and Joseph. Uh, but, the, but the shepherds, listen, they, they get the point, don't they? And their hearts, they, they have the right instinct, even as their heads are still spinning and they're processing, just like the kids did. What did they do? They came and they bowed and they worshipped. Jump down to verse 20 in Luke chapter 2. All right? Verse 20, jump down, it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it had been told to them. The shepherds went to see Jesus. And they immediately understood that Christmas is not about the presents. It's not about the food. It's not about the decorations. All good things. I don't want you to get me wrong. Christmas is all about Christ the Lord. That's the meat and potatoes. And he came as a baby to live a perfect life and to die a horrible death, and to be raised to life again, that we could run back home to heaven with him, with purpose, power, and an abundant, forged life. Glory to God. I'm going to have the, the band come back up here, and what we're going to do is we're going to continue to give God the glory and honor. All right, we're going to sing a couple songs, and as we do... I'm going to have you stand, and I want you to take a moment, and I want you to pray. You can pray just silently where you are. You can pray with your family. You can come up over here and pray with me. It doesn't matter, but just take a moment and say, God, to you be the glory. The glory is yours. To you be the glory. I give you all. Help me as we start a new year, as we end a year, and as we begin a new year, a liminal moment, Lord. Guide me. For your glory, because you are what it's all about. So just pray a simple prayer, Lord, to you be the glory. It's about you. And then when you're ready, if you call Jesus your Lord, if he is your heavenly father, I want you to come forward. And what we do on each side of the stage is we have communion. If you call Jesus your Lord, if you're forging your life on him, I want you to take a piece of bread and I want you to dip it into the juice because we read on the night that Jesus, after he was born and he lived his life, the, the week before he was to be killed on the cross for our sins to, to reconcile that, he said, this is my body which is for you, take and eat, when he broke a loaf of bread. And then he took a glass of wine and he said, this, this is my blood, a new covenant of which I give to you. And just like we read, he's saying, I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to put my, my boot on your neck and stomp down. I've come so that you may have life, you may have it to the full, you may have it for eternity, you may have an abundant, powerful life. And so that's what we do when we take communion.
we remember his grace and his truth. And we remember that, that just like the gospel doesn't end with his, his resurrection, it ends when he returns again someday. That we're going to proclaim, go tell it on the mountain, that all glory is God's. All glory is the God that we forge our life on. No matter where we are in our faith. So let's do that now.